0: Hello, everybody. My name is Jill Renee Feeler. And welcome to today's podcast. We're at number 195, which kind of blows me away. But yeah, (laughs) I like it. I'm proud (laughs) of everything that we've shared. And I'm excited for what we're going to do today. So before we get started, for anyone that's new here, um, I connect uh, to myself as my eternal self in an interdimensional conscious way. And I don't think it's that different than um, authors or inventors, um, creative people that are sort of divinely inspired with um, a painting or poetry or the Declaration of Independence, right? Um, But mine, my uh, focus is on the enlightenment of humanity. (laughs) That should keep me busy, right? Um, anyway, so for me, the proof is in the pudding. I wasn't trained to do this. Um, my background is is very sort of 3D um, business. I was in business for years, and um, anyway, I, I came across my gifts uh, without uh, hitting rock bottom, without anything traumatic or dramatic. I just it's sort of just turned on, and it felt like something I'd been doing my whole life. So anyway, <laughs> here we go. Okay, so let's just do a brief connection exercise. I encourage you to close your eyes if you can and just consciously breathe. Focus on your breathing for a moment. Good job. On the next inhale, I want you to belly breathe. So imagine your breath actually expanding into your belly Okay, so from right here, I got a squeak. Sorry about that. I'm going to encourage you to while you're breathing here, imagine that there is this source of light within your head, but your eyes are closed. Okay, so the light is coming to you. It's almost like from behind your eyes. And if you don't sense it there, that's okay. Just imagine it's there. Okay. So a stream of light from somewhere. And your brain may be asking But where? Where is the light coming from? What if that light is coming from beyond time and space? So there is no where there It's at an omnipresent level of energy There we go. Good job. Keep breathing Relaxing your body, relaxing your face allowing your mind to just chill, very good. And from here, let's just tell our brains that we may actually hear something that we've never heard before, that we may actually be on the doorstep of a breakthrough of your own consciousness, leaping forward into a realm of yourself, that is beyond what you'd considered previously makes you even more amazing than you already are and assists possibly this reality in ways that are honoring to you and honoring to your journey and what we have available to our within ourselves to offer and share and be in this world, which gives us pleasure and hopefully makes a positive difference in this reality. Very good. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> okay, right there. There we go. Okay. So you can open your eyes if you haven't already. Let me just check in for those that are live here, how we're doing. Good. Okay. <sighs> Alrighty. So uh, what are we going to be talking about today? We have, I've noticed as as Jill, that we have been using this term bringer of light um, more sort of explicitly lately. And we've also been using the term eternal self instead of higher self. And I've really enjoyed uh, how that feels energetically. Um, And we want to talk more about what this means in terms of the bringer of light. And maybe we'll talk about the, the importance of the term eternal self. And what an upgrade that is from the previous term that we used to use anyway was higher self. Okay, but this bringer of light concept, I feel is a nice sort of Uh, portal (laughs) into um, a whole new dimensional range for us. Okay, nice. Okay, I don't have a script. I'm not reading anything. It's all just gonna come to me on the fly from myself. I call it channeling, but I'm not channeling something that isn't me. It's um, energy that that I'm connected to and I believe you're connected to it too. Okay. It is with intention that we use the term bringer of light, we like it better than the the, very common term within consciousness and enlightenment communities of light worker, because light worker um, has uh, some energy that maybe you're ready to sort of graduate from light worker implies that that it is work, that it's a job, that maybe there's training involved. Um, that you're not prepared for it, you need to get ready for it, and, and then you go to work. Um, so there was, a, there have been and continue to be many misinterpretations, um, and uh, unfortunate interpretations of, of what that means. We respect your free will. And we really like for you to have the same information and perspective that we have as eternal energy to help you make more informed, wise, hopefully comfortable, and joy filled. Um, and rewarding uh, decisions in your life as you apply your free will in your as your one in your reality. So the reason that we like the term bringer of light is because literally it it helps uh, reinforce this idea that that you brought it with you your your eternal energy which which we look at as inherently positive uh, intrinsically divine And uh, love based source energy, it's creator, it's creative, it's, um, it's all things good (laughs) that you can imagine in the all that is (sighs) in a in a stream of of, uh, enlightenment and consciousness and ideas and support and healing and well being that's that is available to you, even in your dark age at some level. So the the term bringer of light, it is light that you're bringing, and and you have brought it with you uh, from the all that is. So there isn't a there is no where there, and that's why we're sort of uh, possibly putting some of your brains in a in a twist <laughs> about that because your human brain is so fixated uh, from within the the five human sensory experience and within the time space continuum. So we we're, we're we're not asking it to. Uh, to reach levels that it can't, we're asking it actually to recognize its inherent (laughs) deficiencies, so that you can kick in another level of your consciousness, which is beyond your human brain. The levels of your consciousness that exist beyond your humanness, before you were born and after you're not your human anymore. Those eternal layers of consciousness are available to humanity. And that that there's a lot of preconceived notions about that 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 cause problems and uh, make you feel like maybe a lack of uh, an unsuccessful light worker or maybe an ill-equipped bringer of light. But from our perspective, you actually do it fantastically well. Okay, so you brought the light with you. You brought with you from if you will the all that is You brought it with you into your incarnation, you have it available to you. It's been part of your, your you the entire your entire journey from the moment of conception, until the moment that your body stops working, that it's, it's, it's such an important uh, concept to have within your awareness system that it's there, whether you're using it, or whether you're aware of it or not. So there's the human consciousness operating system that sort of sits on top of the eternal consciousness system. And sometimes they they go together better than than others, but they are manipulable. Okay, you can uh, adjust your human consciousness so that you do have maybe a a tighter interaction and integration with your eternal consciousness. (sighs) And that's what we're doing, right? that's actually what we're doing in every single message that's part of our objective in helping you do that realizing and recognizing you as a bringer of light and that when you have incarnations with that identity as a bringer of light especially in a dark age your role is invaluable you keep the lights on in a in a darker time of humanity a less conscious a less wise uh, segment of linear time, and the human experience. So it's weird. (laughs) It's very weird for you guys in so many ways, to be a bringer of light amidst a reality that is so intensely unconscious in so many ways, and things that are thought of as as wisdom. And solutions are just so uh, unsatisfying to you in so many ways. So we get it. (laughs) Uh, We, it's pretty fantastic how often uh, you guys find each other, right? You fellow bringers of light. And as your human consciousness is adjusted and uh, create as you as your human creatively explore different concepts and truths and theories about anything and everything your connection with your eternal consciousness actually shifts and evolves and if you will expands. Hopefully to the point where it feels like you couldn't possibly Hmm. Hmm. Hopefully to the point where you stop questioning the eternal nature of who and what you are, even while you're human even while you were in your human bodysuit. This matters because it's so natural in a dark age for the human to question itself to doubt its importance to be concerned about its relevance and its purpose as if your purpose is something that could be captured in any sort of goal or objective that would ever begin to describe how your eternal self, how the eternal energy views you. So we take you incredibly seriously. And we would love for you to maybe question less and be more confident. And that does not need to um, fall into a category of being arrogant or um, sensations of superiority, uh, relative to your fellow humans, just uh, consider for a moment, the fellow bringers of light, which some of you may have studied quite intensely. Whether that's, um, there's so many, Jill's favorite example, of course, is is Yeshua, Jesus, Um, goddess Isis, uh, Rumi, Kuan Yin, uh, the Buddha consciousness. There are so many. (sighs) Let's let uh, Isis speak here. Please ask yourself what what makes it for you so hard to imagine that that you are a part of a peer group with us with me as a a timeless form that at, at one point in linear time was known as as the goddess Isis or priestess Isis. What is that? For most of you, what we come across is your sense of you don't know enough. There's not enough human knowledge within you for you to feel confident as a peer with us, as a bringer of light. But many of us were not students of enlightenment on the earthly planes. We knew ourselves as a bringer of light, um, a bringer of wisdom, a bringer of love, a bringer of comfort. Um, bringer of compassion, um, bringer of healing right there. And maybe all of those or, or just a few of those, or even one of those that we've we felt especially passionate and motivated by so there's this interesting situation in your dark age where Those that have knowledge have libraries filled with books and multiple certificates and degrees and graduation diplomas on their walls um, in their homes or on their resume. But not all of you are like that and that's especially true of those that truly um, organically sort of embody their bringer of light. energy patterns and operating systems. There's a strange and curious sense of inner confidence that these bringers of light have. There are many instances where we uh, sort of prompt Jill to listen to certain things. She's not an avid reader. Um, She likes to listen to things that that would be worthy of a book and maybe are in a book uh, while she's moving about and, and being her daily self. And she was listening to an interview a scholar of uh, Thomas Jefferson. Oh, it was President's Week on the Rubin Report. And she enjoyed the, the few of those that she's listened to. Uh, we We helped her find those materials so that she could be reminded of what we're about to tell you here. Many of the the USA Constitutional founding fathers, as they're known, took themselves extremely seriously. You will find in actual letters that they wrote to each other, to their loved ones, to anybody, that they would actually say in the letter, please keep these letters from me. It will assist in the future of humanity. These, these matter, I take myself seriously. Some of these authors of the USA Constitution, which is a sacred document in many ways. They said these things in their early 20s. Some of them knew their valuable role in their teens. Was it a self fulfilling prophecy? Did they have seeds of self relevance that all of you as bringers of light could also have? Could any of you overcome the natural societal pressures that suppress genius, innate wisdom, divine consciousness, inspired creation in the dark age that you're currently incarnated into? Are there options for you to override those pressures so that you can take yourself seriously? so that you can be the bringer of light that you are, perhaps without, perhaps with very little to know book training on this or any diplomas or any degrees. We understand the temptation we face them ourselves while we were in our body suits. And there are so many ways that you can choose and create yourself as the bringer of light that you are. So for those of you that that have the the impressive libraries, and they, they help feed your light within your humanness, that's fantastic. I just want you to know that that not all of you are that way. Some of you that are avid readers, and sort of students of philosophy and enlightenment would be probably horrified at how unimpressive and lackluster and minimal Jill's library is. <laughs> so, but... It sounds so arrogant and impossible. Even in her humanness to say I'm not a student of enlightenment. As much as I am a bringer of enlightenment. How do you say that in in polite company with the sense of humility and intense obligation and responsibility that some of you feel in that way? That's for you to to discern and figure it out. But we're strongly encouraging you to figure it out, create a system where you can make sense out of how seriously either you do take yourself or how seriously you want to take yourself. You will be ridiculed, you will be laughed at, you will be questioned. You don't make sense in a dark age era, you just don't. But isn't it possible that by taking yourself more seriously, just like the founding fathers of the USA Constitution, obviously did together as a group, they took themselves seriously. Do you not think that was weird for them? The situation prompted it though, (laughs) breaking off from a from a country and creating a new one is is uh, not a small task and it does Uh, lend itself to intense uh, experiences of greatness within humanity, but it doesn't you don't need that sort of uh, societal dynamic in order to have an amazing breakthrough in who and what you consider yourself to be. So as ISIS, I don't want to tell you what it means for you to be a bringer of light as much as inspire you to define for yourself what you want that to mean. What do you want it to mean that you are a bringer of light right now? What is it that makes you extremely passionate and that you feel like you're somehow innately gifted at? Are you hiding that? Are you protecting that? Are you shielding yourself yourself from it because it's just too scary? we get it. (laughs) Trust us. (laughs) We get it. We get it. So Jill's not a student of, of world history or American history or American government, um, or religious studies or or any of that. But what she does have access to is a Sort of a timeless or beyond time transcendent view of what was going on when, and the the uh, odd dynamic that she runs into is that it 's very common in a dark age that the uh, the story of of what happened or why it happened or or what is happening even right now are highly mischaracterized. Uh, mm-hmm how do you how do you as a bringer of wisdom or an accessor of eternal consciousness, insert yourself in the public domain with something that you have absolutely no earthly credibility (laughs) to be representing, Uh, you get ignored a lot is what uh, let's let Yeshua come in here. It's it's a recipe for, (laughs) for strangeness. Um, and of course, I knew that myself, the level of uh, just the, the polarized, intense criticism and uh, scoffing that you get from those especially that have the earthly authority for for various reasons that they they have that earthly credibility, you definitely get uh, get either uh, dismissed, ridiculed or, or just laughed at by by that sector. And then there's others, maybe those that are bringers of light or somehow openness uh, to the, the transcendent consciousness vibrations that, that have been on earth, and they may be witnessing on earth, uh, they're drawn to it sometimes like a moth to a flame, it feels like the most real experience that they may have ever had from within their human body suit. And, and there's some sort of superconscious recognition of it, as they're interacting with it um, and it can almost feel like an addiction. It actually can be uh somewhat addictive and uh, do we want to talk about that here let's just we'll we'll give a couple uh um, reminders, maybe advice on that on that regard you You are human uh, obviously, and there are uh, various responsibilities that go along with that, especially in a dark age um, that can seem cumbersome and like they'll cons- literally consume your whole life. Um, so it's worked well for Jill anyway, to have a, a really, in her view, healthy balance between the <laughs> the sort of mundane aspects of, of humanness, laundry, <laughs> dog poop, um, grocery shopping, you know, uh, maintaining a household and and helping support a family and those sorts of things, um, that sort of balances her out in a, health, in a healthy way, uh, so that she's more relatable to you guys. Could she be getting even more um, information if she solely dedicated her life and you know went off and lived in a cave and had a scribe, <laughs> or lived in some very isolated situation where, like Edgar Casey, with the and he wasn't isolated, but. Um, he had a, a really grand situation that that was his life. And he did have a scribe, right? Jill said before, I just I wish I had a scribe <laughs> in this lifetime. Um, be, because not unlike Jefferson, she she knows there's information that comes through even in private sessions that, that she wishes the whole world could hear. Not because she's um, arrogant about what it can mean for them. But she takes she can feel energetically how relevant and how applicable it is to being an informed and conscious and awake and aware and truly enlightened light within human. So anyway, a bit of an aside there. So this, uh, this balancing it out, and there's there are so many ways to do it. Um, Jill's decision years ago to get married and have children obviously set in motion as a certain uh, set uh, narrower option in terms of paths and how she would be uh, or could be this this version of light and she she takes seriously the the choices that she made to be a mother and to be a wife um, to be a caretaker of this golden dog in the video right oh where is it? right there. <laughs> um, so anyway, I I felt as Jesus very balanced by the role that I actually was a carpenter that I did have financial obligations. And thank goodness that Mary Magdalene had the financial resources that she had as my primary ally of uh, bringer of light, it offered me travel and access um, to things that that required uh, financial well being and we felt very grateful um, both of us for what um, for that that blessing that sh- that she brought uh, not just to my work but to to her work as as a bringer of light as well so it worked it worked okay very good okay that feels good in terms of those uh, kind of cautions that's we could go into more detail but it feels like an aside for today so going back to the bigger concept of uh, a bringer of light and why we're using that term we're um, it would be an exaggeration to say dismayed, let's say we're concerned that there are so many authentic bringers of light that keep feeling like they're not ready. that keep feeling like uh, there's more, there's more knowledge to be acquired. There's more uh, certifications to have. And when you're a bringer of light, you've been that since you literally arrived uh, on your on the physical planes of Earth. So if you were that as a young boy and a young girl, um, whether like we said, as an inspirer, as a, you know, a facilitator of change and, and rethinking things, you know, there's so many versions of you as a bringer of light, but you did that without training without you were just you were following your in a way your own light, your own sense of divine wiring and what was available to you as you for you by you. So this idea that as you grow up, there's this notion of though there's a right way to do it. And I, I need to follow a certain path, we look at you so much more um, in terms of being a bringer of light that you create your path as you go, there are a 100 million different ways that Jill could have been Jill. Um, she values her privacy in so many ways. So this, this perfection of having the ability to connect with you via this, you know, MacBook Pro in her in her kitchen on a Tuesday afternoon when her kids are at school and her husband's at work is just so idyllic and so great. Uh, could she be reaching more if she hustled herself into some of the more mainstream uh, organizations that are that are the, the um, structures of enlightenment of consciousness? Oh, yeah, she could reach a lot more people. But she's, not even, well, maybe remotely, but she's, she's mostly not even interested in that because she doesn't like gatekeepers. Number one, Um, she's pretty sure they wouldn't get her. And even those institutions, even in so called enlightenment constitutions are addicted to um, this uh, pedigree sort of notion and you know what your story is. And there's also this very strange experience right now in the enlightenment communities that it's like the you're, you're, the more you've suffered the brighter your light and she is Jill is so not about that. Uh, your bringer of light status is not dependent on how much human suffering you've had. Um, but that's a that's a powerful, compelling story on on your planet right now. Um, and and it works, right? It sells literally it sells right now. So um, we've uh, we shared this, well, Jill has shared this before, and we'll sort of offer it here that she didn't have a, a really uh, compelling story for how she knows what she knows, and how she suddenly began accessing the consciousness that that she is in a message just like this. Um, because everybody else that she was aware of in the in the industry had this really, really sort of tragedy, tragic storyline that was the impetus for their awakening. And she kept saying, I don't have a good story. I'm so normal, I'm so normal, I'm so normal. And then it wasn't until at least a couple years into her experiencing her eternal consciousness. And if you have the eternal consciousness that she said, Oh, wait, that's possibly my story. I'm so normal that you don't have to hit rock bottom to access your eternal consciousness. You don't have to experience personal suffering or tragedy in order to awaken to the light of of eternal energy and source creator God as she looks at it as we look at it, it's you don't, you don't have to go that way. You can just almost casually decide that Oh, that makes sense. Like, we never stopped being eternal energy. So I don't have to do any classes. I don't I don't have to and really couldn't get a certificate. Uh, and I don't want, one. <laughs> I don't want one maybe uh, from the earthly plane. There's no I don't need that validation from the earthly plane. And possibly any validation I could get from the earthly plane would be a distortion of some sort as it would try to mold me into something that is at odds with my raw innate, timeless energy that is me, uniquely me as individual ones. Yeah. So bringer of light, it's always been yours, you brought it with you. You set it up that way. You set it up that way as your eternal self. you stand out in your reality. There's no use in pretending that that's not true. You don't fit in there. You don't at all. And that does that again, doesn't have to be some sort of victim vibration of of sad uh, victimized, I don't fit in here. It can be a sense of celebration, that you don't fit into unconsciousness, you don't fit into uh, the gamesmanship of of um, winners require losers sort of dynamic in a dark age, you don't you don't fit in with with any sort of agenda or policy that would in any way um, lead to famine or war or hate. You, you sense it on a some of you better than others, you can sense it in its um, in its sort of um, more subtle, unconscious layers, you can sense that vibration of maligning a group for the sake of the promotion of another that's not necessary. Okay, hence Jill's interest in politics and public policy and, and those sorts of things. That's one of the reasons that she even studied economics, she was just fascinated by this idea that, that of the resources on Earth, you know, how are they? Uh, distributed and, and what is what are, what systems are available currently and should there be new systems um, and sort of approaches to how that's done and how you know what's fair and is it fair to everybody and who's compromised in these different systems and how much are they comprom- compromised um, she's not looking for a perfect answer but she's constantly analyzing the uh, the pros and cons of them in a way that is very otherworldly. Yeah. Hmm. So what are you interested in? Right? What are you passionate about? What are you naturally drawn to? Is it is it of a a public policy, political nature? Is it in the realm of of music or a dance or art or health and well being? Is it in the realm of financial independence and security? Is it in the realm of Ah, oh, uh, honoring the sacredness of, of nature and plants and animals and yeah, so many possibilities here. Okay. All right, let's see where we're going to go next. Hmm. So how do you elevate your sense of, of self as a bringer of light relative to how you look at somebody that that either isn't a bringer of light, their, their purpose for incarnating is not to bring light to a dark age, um, or that they have access to it, but they're currently unaware of it. How do you? How do you take yourself seriously without uh, dismissing the rest of humanity? There are many ways to do that. What when we when we helped Jill, when we pointed out to Jill that the way that we look at an unconscious, unawakened human is not with, uh, we don't look down on them, we're not even their eternal self isn't isn't sort of, you know, wringing their hands or banging their head against the wall, because the human expression of them isn't isn't awakened. Um, it's not necessary, especially in a dark age, for every embodiment of of eternal light to be aware of itself in that way. It just isn't, it's not required. Um, Once we showed her that, and then she naturally came to the conclusion of, okay, so they're eternally light, even if they're pretending that they're not in their current incarnation, Okay, that's, that's good to know, right? So she doesn't look at an unawakened or less awakened being, or a misinformed uh, being as, as anything less than a fellow member of light. She looks at them as a fellow member of of eternal light, if you will, who's currently forgetting that they are eternal light. And she she responds accordingly, right? She doesn't expect as much, (laughs) maybe from those individuals. And she's not like trying to wake them up. She offers things like this that are totally free, um, available to anyone who, for whatever reason is is led to their own awakening and consciousness process. Um, She's not excluding anyone in these materials. And she literally has a baseline of respect and honor for anyone, regardless of their human consciousness level, whether it's this teeny tiny or super, super wide, right? Okay. Oh, that feels so good. Hmm. So if it doesn't matter, then <laughs> then why do we do all this? Yeah, let's that. Let, yeah I want to answer this as Jill because I know how better, how much better I am from from how I've connected and how how I've accessed my eternal consciousness, this, what I do with you guys, whether it's, you know, a public message like this, or, you know, when we're doing online classes, or we're in private sessions, or we're doing a retreat together or sacred travel together, I, I feel the importance of all of that so much more in comparison to anything I did in my human career. Um, in in business and strategy and finance and marketing and that sort of thing that just feels so, but I would do it. I mean, it feels so trivial (laughs) in comparison. And I I feel very blessed that that you guys respond in the way you do that I do have the financial benefit of this work. I'm super happy for me that I decided to charge for it. I think I would have felt like a martyr, I would have felt uh, bitter and a bit like a slave. Um, to my gifts and to the world uh, uh, benefiting from my gifts. If I didn't have a balance of exchange that I felt good about, that's my personal choice. So because how I let li- you guys literally, I am such a better person than I was. Um, I was just wound so tightly in the previous version of myself and I still love that Jill from you know, what it was it 2008 and and earlier. Um, Yeah, I I still love her. I totally get her. I understand her. I understand her motivations. I understood why she got upset and got you know, twisted up and tense and stressed out about certain things. Um, She didn't have the awareness, right? So it it makes me super excited, especially as I do private session. And there's some of you that I've known for years now, seeing that that literal personal evolution that we that we have available to us and how much better we are at being our humanness and being our being our light and being our gifts and in our human relationships. And there's just it's a whole array of, of upgrades and upgrades and upgrades and upgrades um and it's not dependent on perfection hallelujah right oh my god yeah i was like uh, yeah, yeah my team's laughing they're like oh she definitely wasn't going to play that game that dark age game of in order to be a bringer of light you need to have worked your way <laughs> apparently through all of these different series of okay now i'm almost perfect and now i'm almost perfect and now I'm perfect. And now I can access the light that I am. It's like, no, (laughs) especially in a dark age, we're going to have cracks and flaws and uh, deficiencies in our humanness. And there's nothing that your eternal light can't work with positively for you and for everyone. And I love that's, that's one of the many parts about private sessions that I absolutely love. Yeah, it's and I Yeah, we just had a session yesterday that was that had a had, a, had, a, had five minutes of that in her 60 minutes is something that she'd been trying to clear and trying to work on, I think, a considerable investment, of, considerable investment of time and money in trying to get this cleared. And her team was like, but it's not a problem to the light that she is. You can just leave it right there. And let's actually give her another perspective that it's so not in the way. And this is how it actually helps her. And Oh, my God, when that came through, and I was just like, Oh, God, that's so, it's so good. Right? Yeah. And I have this silly example from there are so many little quirks about me that said somebody could spend a lifetime trying to clear. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's so funny. And now, and with my awareness, I'm able to see that how my team actually works. How me, which I call my team, because you guys, I don't know what else to call it. What literally do you call the type of access that I have? There's a part of me that doesn't even like the term channeling. Um, Because it's me accessing me and what I as me am slash have access to. So does that mean that literally the energy that is goddess Isis is a part of me? Yeah, it is. Does that mean I have access to the eternal self energy that that I know as that was in his human form as Steven Jobs? Yeah, I do. <laughs> like, yeah, I do. <laughs> right? Does I do I know that that sounds absolutely crazy and ridiculous? Yep, I get that too. But <laughs> I love what we are getting in this format so much that I'm willing to take on the potential confusion, ridicule, bullshit shade that that I may get in my life as a result of that I I, the cost benefit is so easy to me to to lean on that oh the benefits are worth it I'm I'm good and thank god that um yeah anyway I just feel like the system is actually perfect just as it is uh for me to, to be me and I I want you to know that your system can also be viewed as perfect uh for what you are as you Okay, okay, Samson's asking to go out and I do want to let him out. So a little interruption here. Sorry, life goes on at the feeler ranch. <laughs> okay. All right. so, so. okay, that feels pretty good. You guys pretty complete. How are you doing uh, for those that are live? Feel free to chat. Oh, you've already got stuff going in the chat room. Very good. Okay, hey, Sheila, she's saying, I am so relieved to hear that I didn't have to be in pain or tortured in order to be a light bringer. My life is lovely. And sometimes I feel like I am less than because I didn't suffer. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. You're so welcome. Yeah. Thank God, right? That this that this too is an option where we can literally feel and receive and appreciate the blessings um, that we have in this life That. Yeah, what a weird world, where those of us that have felt, um, I want to say, undeservedly blessed in some ways. um, That sounds very puritanical, doesn't it? Um, The fact that we would actually want or somehow feel like we like it's a burden to be blessed, and that that our light would be better and stronger if we weren't so damn blessed. Right? The twist, think about how distorted and twisted and completely effed up that is (laughs) dark age, dark age, dark age situation. Okay, hi, Suzanne. She'd say I'd be your scribe if I could. Blessings of love to everyone here today. Very special day, a turning point in the USA and for all of us in our eternal sovereignty. Oh, I love you, Suzanne. I sense that you would be you'd be an amazing scribe for me. And I'm glad that you get to to have your life. And uh, yeah, it's I I know I could upgrade my sense of what it would feel like to be a scribe, um, but I yeah yeah because I don't I would it yeah it's so funny I was speaking of documentaries um, I was just I watched this documentary on Netflix Netflix sorry about this guy I almost called it Netflix that's funny um, and I I want to remember his name but I probably won't. Um, he was an assistant to Stanley Kubrick, or um, Kubrick, and I think Stanley is a genius in so many ways. I'm not a film buff in necessarily, but he clearly was uh, way out in the, the tails of data in terms of how super devoted and I would say genius he was to the film industry. Yeah, and there were two, there's actually two different documentaries. One was his somebody that started out as his driver. And then another person was an actor in one of his films with Ryan O'Neill, you know, Shakespearean actor, very accomplished. And what the that individual that was an actor, he he wanted to learn film. And he ended up being this um, dedicated assistant to Stanley Kubrick. And it's it's sort of hard to watch because, but yet I honor his free will that he, he, he willingly, consciously, I think, chose to be in that role. And he could have been his own star, but he preferred or felt uh, purposeful and valuable by being behind the star, if you will, of Stanley. Um, yeah, it's just a... Yeah, and I think I want us all to be Stanleys. I want us all to be our star. So the idea of anyone as a scribe, uh, like, if you will, kind of supporting my star, I have problems with that Uh, because I see everyone as the star that you are. So, but all the roles are valuable. So anyway, maybe I'll figure that out. Maybe I'll look at that another way at some point, but I don't right now. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Marcy says, heart, 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 and (laughs) 10. Okay, good. Um, hey Suzanne, internally as well. Bring it on. I so agree, Jill. Hey, Pauline. She said that is where the oneness is, your team. Ooh, ooh. <sighs> ooh, cough. <coughs> and then it becomes our team, right? A collective team. And I'm one translator. I am the scribe. Oh, that's so funny. My team is like, so you're the scribe. <laughs> There's the upgrade right there. <laughs> I'd like to feel a little more creative license with that. But I have to think about that. That's interesting. Maybe I am the lowly assistant. (laughs) Oh my god, that's hilarious. Okay. Uh, Sherry saying our spiritual White Eagle group has decided our next book. Just Friday. It's called The Lightbringer by White Eagle. This is also timely. There are no coincidences. Oh, that's good. Yeah, good. Well, good job, Sherry. I hope you like it. And you may want to consider as another book, um, Being Your Light, which is um, a book that we put out about three weeks ago. Um, Or was it September? Anyway, maybe it was longer than three weeks ago, but it's a fabulous book. And I do highly recommend it for any of you Um, and your book clubs and things like that that you meet with. We don't we do not do spirituality one on one. Um, we go straight for literally the mastery that's available to all of us I'm treating you as the bringer of light that you are with everything that we're doing um, and I i mean I'm not saying the other resources aren't helpful but uh, there are things to look out for if it's perpetuating this idea that you aren't already a bringer of light that you're not ready yet that you need to know more um, all these things you don't need to know as your humanness really anything yeah. Okay. So anyway. Hi Heather. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Suzanne is saying you are everything scribe included. <laughs> Thanks Suzanne. Uh, Heather is saying I love that. We can simply be a bringer of light and not need any certificates. Me too. Me too. By birthright finally appointed. Yes, Suzanne. Yeah. Okay, good. All right, you guys that may be a wrap for today feels pretty good. And for those of you in the USA that haven't voted yet today, please do that. Um, Yeah, we are, well, yeah, I've been posting some different things on social media that that sort of tickle uh, and appease me in terms of how I look at the world and um, even politically. And I, I definitely fall more in the libertarian camp. I have a lot of concerns about the the sort of agendas within both of the primary parties and how uh, to me destructive they actually feel and how um, regressive they feel. You guys on both sides, I feel that strongly within the Republican side, I This excluding Trump, the actual party policies, which Trump is not representative of at all. Um, so I've, I have grave concerns about the Republican Party agenda and policies and their approach. And I also have... Uh, the same degree of, of concerns about the regressive nature of this um, competition for victimhood that seems to be going on within the Democratic Party. So I feel very homeless, uh, in the context of, of political ideology right now. And I, yeah, it's really strange. So I, I I love, as I mentioned earlier, um, that Dave Rubin, uh, the Rubin report on YouTube, I'm really loving, because he he is a he is a liberal and he talks about his idea as a classical liberal and the problems that he has with the current version of the Democratic Party um, And I just I find them so like well well reasoned and like yeah, yeah, that's a problem. So I, I feel like he I resonate really strongly with a lot of the ways that he looks at things I really appreciate his guests even when I don't agree with them. I just feel like there's so much, misinformation and super narrow opinions that that a lot of those, a lot of Americans, I think, especially right now, if you don't fit in that really tight narrative of, of we're the good guys, um, then there's almost fear of um, sharing publicly your ideas, if it's not in that super narrow lane of these are the good people that is utterly ridiculous. Um, The idea that everybody outside that narrow band of thought are are horrible people that are racist and sexist and misogynistic. It's just like, no, but I probably have an advantage because I live in a red state. Idaho is a very red state. Um, But it's a bluish town, sort of like Austin, Texas in Texas, right? uh but we're not quite that liberal uh in Boise but anyway so so I know red people <laughs> I know republicans and and I I I know them personally I I see their hearts I I see their very uh positive upward spiraling ideas I see how rational and and beautiful and loving of of people of all color and all races and all cultures that they are so this this <laughs> <laughs> just a really weird time you guys and I totally admit that uh, part of the reason I post that stuff, um, some of those like the Rubin Report or interviews that, that I've enjoyed on there, is to sort of maybe for any of you that that um, either don't get the news, um, and that's your choice, you know, you don't have to, you don't have to watch anything I post, right? It's totally, I'm just offering it. It's just something on the menu that's saying, hey, I like this, you may like it too. Um, I would like those that are more, that haven't really heard the, <sighs> there's a lot of misinformation. So with key topics that that we as a nation, I'm American, right are facing, there is so much misinformation and literally like propaganda about those that disagree with that tight narrative that I love to sort of like, let's pull back the curtain on some of this and really look at it. Um, I don't believe that America is as racist as we're currently um, thought to be and it just breaks my heart. because damn it, we've done so well on this. I I know we have. I feel it with the people that I interact with. So the idea that we're just as racist as we were before Martin Luther King Jr. died for this. It just, it pisses me off, right? Because if if he were here today, he would be so proud of us. That we have so many people of color in, in the Senate and in the House and... Obama, hello, right? I mean, it's just like, God, we have, we have become colorblind in so many ways and in all the ways that he fought for and died for. It just, I'm sad that we don't take more time to celebrate where we are right now and that we're literally dishonest, I think, with ourselves as a nation, with how far we've come. We did have a lot to overcome. Because if we're not being honest with ourselves about how far we've come then we're diminishing our possibility of how far we can go and we can go so far, right? We're just beautiful people at our core and there's such a small narrow percentage that are still in the other form of the dark age of being judgmental and dismissive about somebody because of the color of their skin or and then we have other forms of of. Uh, Classism and oh well if you're if you're you know uh, if you're a multimillionaire then surely you have the heart of a devil you know what I mean that's I, I know those people too I've been very blessed my husband and I earned more, way more money than we ever could have thought that we would um, in our lifetimes and I can't believe how blessed we feel financially I know if people saw our financial statements they would just be like, what like I thought I thought somebody with a financial statement like that would literally be an uncaring Um. just I don't know I don't know I don't know what they think but anyway it's probably not very nice right? Yeah, we're in a weird time aren't we? Anyway, okay, (laughs) dry my eyes. It's all good. Okay, anyway, so there we are. Okay, I love you guys so much. Yeah, I love you guys. Yeah, Sheila's saying it feels like we are being manipulated by the media, but then who is the mini- media being manipulated by? Right? There are these unconscious forces that are really benefiting from the intense divisiveness that we're facing right now. Um, not just in our nation, but you know, all literally sort of industrialized nations have some degree of um, forced sort of cultural agenda. And um, I'm okay talking a little bit more about this. So let me let Samson back in now, Hang on okay so when I graduated from undergrad it was 1993 and if I remember correctly I don't remember when the whole affirmative action movement started and that we needed to give extra consideration for any sort of minority group um, to sort of balance things out and make sure that they have uh, equal chances and we need to make you know, board of directors and uh, management positions and any sort of leadership positions in government, we need to make that look more like the nation does. Um, I remember that I I remember, you know, looking at uh, my peer group in college thinking, uh, uh, my whole value system is based on who should be in leadership positions is number one based on whether <laughs> whether they want it right i wouldn't want anyone forced into it i would want them to literally that they have that the initial inner desire to to be a leader in an official capacity and that they're the best qualified for the job um so when i when i read the you know martin luther king jr messages and the the um the outcomes of the civil rights movement and um you know, equality and feminism and things like that. I, I guess I took it literally, um, and maybe that was naive of me. But I thought, I thought they meant it—that that being colorblind was even better, and that being gender neutral about well, whoever's best qualified for the job—and mean that literally. I took that literally, and I still believe that that's that's the best way for humanity and communities to move forward is have the best qualified for the job. And obviously, to, to put choosers in those roles um, that are demonstrably, um, through their attitudes and actions and personal lives, um, colorblind and, and gender neutral in terms of what they're looking for, right? Um, so a blind application process, right, where you, where you don't see, um, you know, any of those, those characteristics, I, I think that was better. So when I first started hearing about this affirmative action thing, and I thought, well, I'll benefit because I'm a woman. Um, But then I looked around at my, I mean, my husband is a white male. Um, By the way, I'm still kind of surprised that I ended up with a Caucasian male. (laughs) It's kind of weird to say I was always super attracted to people of color, um even as a teenager and high school student. I just always imagined i'd be with somebody that's a person of color, so anyway he's, he's my he's my European heritage man, um so Jeff is Jeff, and I thought well that's not fair that if he's the best qualified for the job that he wouldn't that he wouldn't get the job because of some equalizing of benefit. Now, I, I get the intention, I totally get that, well, we've got to even things out, because things have been unfair for so long. I totally get that. But they're, you know, what are we possibly sacrificing in the process? If anything, I don't know, but I don't like where it's gotten right now, for sure, where we've become, in my view, not we went way away from colorblind. Now, the far the the extremes to me of the Democratic Party are, are not colorblind, they're anti, to me, white male. And I that's not right to me. I I think we took a wrong turn uh, somewhere along the way. That seems really wrong. Very racist and totally gender biased like on its face. And the fact that we've gotten okay with it is just like, wait a minute. Um, hmm, hmm. Anyway, so yes, I'll talk about these politically incorrect things right now. Okay. Okay, there we go. (laughs) I think that's good. Thanks for your guys' comments. I love you. Yeah, Sheila's saying I am suspicious of the extreme divisiveness. Me too. Yeah, me too. It does feel orchestrated. It feels um intentional. It feels designed. Um, so I completely honor those that are like, I don't even watch the media anymore, Jill. I'm like, good choice, good choice. Why <laughs> why do I want to watch it like you like you can't avoid looking at the the car accident? When you're driving by it in the car, it's like, what happened? You know, I can't stop looking at the car accident that's happening right now in the the American political system. Oh, my God. And it's election day, so I'll probably be up quite late. I remember being absolutely fascinated. And I did not vote for Trump. Um, <laughs> the US, of course, right? I voted for some constitutional party guy. that I, I like the U.S. Constitution and all the amendments. I think they're really good. Um, and if we just followed them, I think we'd be happier. But anyway, hmm, if you and before if for any of you that are like, what, like, actually read it, you may actually be like, eh, hmm, they're pretty good. Anyway, um, I remember being I was up until like four in the morning, just shocked, flipping between the, the polar opposites of the news sources. I had MSNBC on one on one channel and I had Fox News on the other and I was flipping back and forth. And it was just, I felt like I was watching history in that moment. I'm like, what the fudge just happened, right? Because nobody was predicting that. So, so I'm very kind of curious about tonight. I'm just like, what is going to happen? Um, yeah, I think the entire House of Representatives is flipping. Every single seat, I think, is up for election, uh, re-election, or, you know, the seats are open. So anything could happen, right? Yeah, very good. Anyway, okay. <laughs> I love you guys. I love you too, Layla. Okay, bye-bye for now. I will see you next week. And, oh, announcements, thank you. Um, For those of you that have done reviews on the Being Your Light book, thank you so much. I so appreciate it. I glanced on uh, Amazon last week, and I was like, oh, they touched my heart. It's so... Uh, it's a lot of work to put uh, things like that into motion. It's not that easy to, to you know, put these things together once a week either for no, no, uh, even I don't even ask for donations, right? I do it because I love it. And I do it because I think that's helping. So um, anyway, thank you so much for that. And if you've bought the book and you haven't written a review yet, please consider doing so. It totally helps the algorithms and and all of those things. So, thank you. My audience is so much smaller compared to other authors and things like that. So, I I want to say I count on you guys more than maybe somebody else that does similar work that has you know a hundred times the audience that I have, or more, ten thousand times the audience that I have. So, I'm so grateful for for this group here, and I I I appreciate you so much and the bringer of light that you are. So, thank you for that. Um, other announcements: We have a workshop. Weekend workshop coming up in April of 2018. Excuse me, 2019. The dates are, I think it's April 27th and 28th. Let me just look really quick. Yeah, April 27th and April 28th in Boise, Idaho. Um, we are in the upper left-hand corner of the USA. We do have um, a, a key airport here, so it's pretty easy to get here from any of the major hubs in the U.S. Um, and we have an amazing collection of individuals coming together. So I literally cannot wait for that workshop. And now I'm wishing I would have actually planned it sooner, but I've learned that when we pick these dates for trips, um, sacred travel, et cetera, that it ends up being exactly like divinely timed, even if I didn't know how divinely timed it would be. So anyway, so there's that, um, the Zion retreat was, um, so deeply special. And the six hours of recordings that we have from that are available um, for any of you. And immediately upon purchase, you will get access to those. Okay. So I will put links on the video so that you can uh, consider it. And on my website for this podcast, you'll see the links at the bottom. All right, what else is going on? Um, Oh, I will have a replay of my interview that I did with uh, John Burgos that will be they're going to replay it on Uh, I think it's the 12th. Oh, uh, November 14th on Wednesday. Uh, So we, there are going to be more of the discounted private sessions when it's replayed. So if you haven't met with me before or want to meet with me again, um, I would be honored to meet with you again in private session. And the package offer there is still the Outwitting Watiko series, which is, uh, yeah, I'm getting great feedback for that. I think I think it actually was a couple of years ahead of its time when we created it. And I'm so pleased uh, that it's getting the response that it is. It's, uh, yeah, I'm getting literally just, uh, you know, spine tingling sort of feedback from people on how game changing it is for them. Okay, very good. Okay, I think that's it in terms of announcement. Egypt trip, I'm working on it. I'm working on it. And grease strip I'm working on I'm working on it <laughs> uh some things just click together, and some things require a little more <laughs> a little more digging and mining <laughs> involved, and those two are in that category this time so I can't wait to get back to Egypt and I can't wait to go with you, um, my fellow oracles, right? Um, to Greece as well. So we'll see what happens. Okay. All right, bye-bye for now. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for liking, sharing, subscribing. All those things help the algorithm, algorithm and law, you know, internet logic that's that's used. Um, so thank you for that. Okay, I love you. Bye-bye for now. <laughs>